You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So I'm going to talk to you for a couple of weeks. I don't know how long, but anyway, more than today, I think. Uh, about this subject, I, I just called it salt, light, and leaven. I want to talk to you about some of these. Some of these, these are terms that Jesus used to describe both the kingdom itself and how it is released in the earth through us, through believers. All right, these are, these are terms that define different types of influence that the church is supposed to have in the earth. And when I say the church, I'm just, that's all Christians, okay? We meet together in local congregations, uh, and, and that's fine. That's the way it's always been. You know, uh, we're not in a situation yet where everybody can come together in one place to worship. Uh, so God does build us together in smaller groups, just like he builds families into communities, right? And we have a community, but we have families, individual families that live in individual homes. And that's kind of how uh, the church is built also. But when I say the church having this influence, what I'm talking about is uh, all, every, every believer, every Christian. And Jesus said, give us some different instructions. And he, you know, most of what Jesus told us, uh, he would be giving us instruction about how to live for sure. But he would do that by telling us who we are. And, and Jesus going to the cross was not just to give us a, a different set of instructions on how to live. It was to change give us this, this access to the Father so that we could be born again and actually changed on the inside and become new, new people, new creatures in Christ, the Bible says. Okay, so Jesus is always dealing with identity, and, and these verses uh, deal with identity. So uh, go with me. I just want to read three passages to you, and then we'll back up and start to pick them apart a little bit. But uh, Matthew chapter 5, I want to begin in verse 13. Jesus says in this passage, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, let's say I'm reading from the NIV right now, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. I want to read that to you from uh, the New Living Translation. I like the way they put it. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Right, flavor is kind of the primary characteristic of salt. Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. All right, so he's starting out, he's saying, you are, you are, not go be, but you are the salt of the earth. We'll pick that apart a little bit in a few minutes here. And go on down to verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15 says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, may see your good deeds and praise your father. So obviously within those good deeds, people are seeing God, not us. And again, we will uh, define that a little bit more here in a few minutes. And then uh, I want to jump over to Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Matthew 13, verse 33. 
And it says, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. So this is about the kingdom. And where is the kingdom of heaven? It's in us. He said it's in us. It's in believers. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. All right, so the kingdom is like yeast. Jesus used terminology like this. In each of these cases, he's talking about a small ingredient that changes the characteristic, uh, changes the atmosphere, changes the environment, changes the nature of something else that it is introduced into. Salt is introduced. We introduce it into our food to make a change in the food's flavor. So what is in the salt gets communicated into the food, and it actually changes the food in a number of ways, actually, if we want to get chemical about it, but it changes the flavor of the food. It acts as a preservative. It does a number of things. Light is brought into dark places so that we can see, right? It, it, we, we never walk into a place that has dark switches on the wall. Or it's already light, and you make it, make it dark. It, it, light is more powerful than darkness. It breaks darkness, but it's introduced into darkness. Lately, uh, usually, you, you probably want to hear about my bathroom habits. I can tell this is going to be good. Uh, lately, with, when I was, you know, couldn't put any weight on this foot, and during that whole time period, and I've got that cart and everything, well, in the middle of the night, if I've got to go to the bathroom, I got to make it in there and be able to see. So we don't, at our house, you don't turn on lights at night or early in the morning or when it's dark. You, you don't turn on lights. I mean, it may be a couple of dim ones during the evening in the winter, you know, mostly comes from the wood stove, but we're just not big on bright lights being snapped on <laughs> when you've been sleeping. So... We use headlamps. Karen keeps hers on. Karen keeps hers on. I always wonder what the neighbors are thinking, you know, seeing these little lights going around. We don't, like I say, not through the evening so much, but in the middle of the night or when Karen gets up, she's usually up first in the morning. She keeps hers on, on red, actually. She doesn't even use the white light, you know. And, and the ones we have these days, you can turn on and then you can dim them, you know. So, so for her, I don't, I don't like the red light because then when you pour your coffee, you can't really see how full the cup's getting and it can cause problems, again, first thing in the morning. So, so anyway, my point is I've had, to, I've had to have a headlamp or a flashlight or something by the bed so I don't wake her up so I can get where I'm going. You have to introduce light into darkness. Now that I'm back on my feet, I can walk with my eyes closed and get where I'm going and it's no problem. So, but, but anyway, light is always something that is introduced into darkness and it changes the entire nature of the room. And we'll, there, there's a lot, the scripture talks a lot about light, and, and we'll talk a little bit, you know, this is the first day in the series, so we just kind of throw out uh, a broad range of things that we'll come back and touch on as we get into this. But there's a, the New Testament in particular, and the Old Testament really, talks a lot about light, and, and how the light that is in Christ is the life of God. It acts as a light in him. It is transferred to us. Again, this verse says, uh, you are the light of the world. Jesus also said, 
I am the light of the world. And he said, you are the light of the world. So that light is transferred into us and it is in us, the life of God, to break darkness. So again, it's an element that's introduced into some other element. Same thing with leaven or yeast, right? Yeast is, and it's interesting, I did some reading on it this week, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but I knew that it was alive, that yeast typically, I guess there's another way to do it, but, but yeast is a living thing that goes dormant until it's mixed with warm water and introduced into dough, and then it changes the entire nature of the loaf that it is, or the the dough that is introduced into. It changes, it expands it, it changes the texture of it. So again, and I just, I want you to get that, that these things that Jesus is saying, these are all elements that get introduced into some other element, and that other element is completely changed by the introduction of salt or light or leaven. Jesus also talked about the kingdom being like a tiny mustard seed, right? The smallest seeds, a little thing that when planted becomes a big thing. He used that type of illustration a lot in the scripture. And so these are the, these are the main ideas that I want to talk about in this series. And so let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 again. And, and let's look at some of the ideas from this. Again, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? All right, so there's a specific characteristic that we're looking for within salt. It does some other things, but flavor is the main thing we notice about salt. Something needs more salt, something isn't salty enough, but the, the salt, if you think about a meal, okay, the salt isn't the whole meal, right? It isn't the meal. It is a small thing that is introduced into the meal to bring its influence to the whole meal. In the same way, he's saying, Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. That word earth right there is a really broad term in the Greek. It's a really broad term term. It, it, it refers to the earth, but what it, what it refers to, it means the whole of the earth as distinct from heaven. Okay, the whole of the earth as distinct from heaven. So Jesus is saying, you carry a flavor that God wants to introduce, you believers, you the church, not just you as an individual, you're not responsible to, to flavor the whole planet, okay? That's not your responsibility. However, that God characteristic that's in you as a believer, that God life that is in you as a believer is like a flavor and he wants to introduce that flavor into the earth. And there's no part of what goes on in the earth that is separate from this. There's no aspect of what happens on planet earth that you are restrained from introducing the nature and the characteristics of God too. Does that make sense to you? So again, we're talking about a huge, we're talking about millions, billions, I suppose, of believers throughout the earth, each 
releasing. You think about salt. It's a bunch of little tiny grains. I know it comes as a bigger chunk, but the, just, just think about table salt, okay, the way we use it. whole bunch of little tiny grains. And we sprinkle them. We spread them. We, we sprinkle it out into whatever it is that we're eating so that that flavor will spread throughout. That's the picture Jesus has given us. And he's saying, this is who you are. With, with Jesus Christ in you, you are the salt of the earth. So again, that word earth means um, the whole of the earth as distinct from heaven. The entire planet and its systems over which God gave man dominion. The entire planet and its systems. I'm not talking here about the world's systems, people's systems. I'm talking about the planet. God set us in the planet to add his life to the planet. And the scripture calls that dominion. It's not supposed to be conquering and destroying. It's supposed to be stewarding right? And it's supposed to be releasing the life of God into those systems. This word is used a lot of times in the Bible to describe the life systems of the earth that produce vegetation and all life forms in abundance. So what he's saying here is, you are there, you and I are here, and God wants to sprinkle you and sprinkle me into various aspects of this earth. And it includes, in this verse, in this verse, it includes all of these, all of the various systems, resources, everything that's in the earth. We are supposed to be bringing God's influence to those things. Um, it's really interesting because the, the Jewish rabbis at this time used the term salt to, uh, to describe or, or it included the idea of God's wisdom, all right, God's wisdom. So his wisdom is, it is truth, but it is truth in operation. When God gives us, when God gives us truth, he, he may give us a, a principle, okay? Uh, do, do to other people what you would have them do to you. That's a, that's a principle, Give and it will be given to you. That's a principle. Okay, honor God with the first fruits of all your increase. It's a principle. Those are, those are facts, those are principles, those are truths. But then the Lord gives us wisdom on how do we apply that in our life? How do we apply that? Not just in, I say in our life, out of habit, in life, in the earth. How do we apply it? How do we get better at mining resources so that we don't destroy so much stuff while we're using the stuff that God gave us in the earth? How do we get better at, how do we develop better technologies? Which And, and anything that we do on the earth because of the fall, because of uh, fallen mankind, because of the sin nature, anything that we do on earth can be misused. Technology is a great uh, great example of that. I mean, it can be even, even down to the low end of the spectrum of social media. Uh, it can be used well. It can be used to communicate the wisdom of God, the love of God, whatever. It can be used really poorly. And because of human nature, we use a lot of things poorly. We use technology poorly. We use the, the incredible energy, incredible energy that comes from learning how to split atoms can be used for power or it can be used to burn billions of people to death. 
you know, and, and so that's just, the, that's just the way it is on planet earth until Jesus comes back, all right? But the church is here not just to gather on Sundays. That is important. That's what we do, okay? We're here to be equipped so that we can go out there and be salt, so that we can go out there and add flavor. And I just, as, you know, that's, a, that's a, something we talk about here a lot, and the scripture tells us over in Ephesians chapter 4 that when we come together, that's why we come together. It is to worship the Lord, but it is to be equipped for the work of the ministry, for the work of carrying out God's life and wisdom and love to the whole planet. And that is to be applied. His wisdom needs to be applied to every aspect of life, everything that goes on in this planet. And I believe that's true of how we grow crops and how we use resources and, and anything else you can think of that has to do with this, this planet. I believe God wants to sprinkle his God life out into this planet through us. That's what Jesus is saying here. You are the salt of the earth. And then he makes a statement. He says, you know, if salt loses its flavor, how can you make it salty again? And the answer is you can't, of course. And, and the, uh, yeah, I have what's up on your screen is the New Living Translation. I like the way it puts that. Can, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And here's the issue, guys. When we lose the life of God, the nature of God from our message and our life, it's worthless to people. Religion without the presence of God, the life of God, the life of Jesus Christ is dead. Most of us know that. And so if we go out there with just religion, we go out there with just, without that life that's inherent in the Lord and that wisdom that the Holy Spirit can give you to apply to your field, whatever that is. When we go out without that, then it, it's thrown out and trampled as worthless. The world sees it as worthless. And I can't blame them. I can't blame them. If we're going out there, if we're forgetting to tell people why they were created and who they were created to be and who their creator is, I mean, that's good stuff, but who they were created to be, what God's designed for them, what, the, what that incredible purpose that he has for every person, if instead we're just trying to tell them what they're doing wrong, they're going to trample that underfoot. Right or wrong, even if you're right about where they're wrong, they're still going to trample it underfoot because to them it's worthless. Because that isn't really, that isn't why Jesus came. He came to restore us to relationship with God and teach us who we are in him and, and move us into a life that carries God flavor. Is this making sense to you? So, so he says this here, and at that time, and I mean, it's still true, salt's used for flavor. So that's, flavor to me is God influence, God life. I'm using that term, God flavor, so that people can understand who he is. It was used for flavor, used for cleansing. They'd clean wounds with it. They'd get rid of infection with it. So there's an element of, cleansing as we go forth in, into the world of bringing, bringing cleanness back. And then as a preservative, it, it keeps things usable. It keeps things, it preserves. Salt does all of those things. 
All right. And so it says we're supposed to bring that to all of the earth. All right. And that's that's going to be different in each of our lives, how that applies. And we're going to need the Holy Spirit to to show us that. But again, and this just keeps striking me. So I think I've already said it. I'll say it again. I think we've a lot of us have thought that the only place you find this this influence, this God flavor is in our gatherings. And certainly the presence and power and life and anointing of God should be in our meetings. Jesus said, where two or three of us gather, he'll be right there in the midst of us. If we're not experiencing that, then one of two things is going on. Either, either we're really messing up and setting the table for you guys so that God's not involved. I mean, there are some situations like that. Or, or, you're coming into that situation not ready to eat the meal, not ready to be sensitive to what the Lord is doing in that situation. But certainly that should be going on in here. But again, let's go back to our table salt thing. It's like sometimes I think we think that um, that we have a meal there and that the salt, we want to just pour the salt together in a pile on the side of the plate rather than sprinkling it on the food to release that flavor. And, and that's kind of what this is like. We come together, we're just touching each other in here. And that's important. It's important for us to come together and experience and receive what God's doing us because he's growing every one of us. If you're letting him do it, every time we gather together, there's something here for you, whether it's during the time of worship, whether it's in conversation and prayer with somebody else, whether it's during the message, whatever it is, if you will come in expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to speak to you and the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, he absolutely will. No matter how bad a job I do up here or anybody else does, God, if God was going to be hindered by that, he never would have set up this church thing the way he did, you know. He's been working with messed up, imperfect people the whole time. He loves it. I don't know, he, but he does. It's, it's what he loves. And so if you will come in expecting, you'll receive something. You will grow, but also you'll carry something out. So, so the pile of salt on the side of the plate, you know, the worship gathering, that's an important aspect of what we do. And I'm not at all, as you can imagine, putting that down. I'm saying if we see that as the only place that that God flavor belongs, we're really missing the point. Jesus is saying, I want to sprinkle you all throughout this town this week, all throughout wherever you go, all throughout your relationships. I want to release my flavor through you, my cleansing through you, my preservative through you. And so what does that mean to me? Well, I can go out with an expectation and a yieldedness to Lord, open those opportunities and give me the boldness to step into them and give me the words to step into them. Show me, and, and I, I can just guarantee you, if you're paying attention, some of the things that you feel quickened about, and maybe you make a note about during our church services, there's going to be somebody in your life that's going to need that exact same thing. Any day now or any week now, it's, you're going to get to deliver it to somebody else. And your life is going to carry this flavor. So it's, so it's we, we love his flavor in here, but his flavor is in here to soak us and salt us so that we can carry it out there. Does that make sense to you? All right. So he makes this point that flavorless salt, you know, if it lacks genuine God flavor, it's, it's just going to be 
thrown out and people, rightfully so, are, are just going to trample it underfoot. So let's, what time is it? Let's, uh, let's look at another one here. Let's look at this idea of light. And I'm just going to touch on this one today because there's so much about light um, in the New Testament. But John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. All right. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. That word life is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. And it means the same type and quality of life that God himself has. This term is used about God himself. It's used about Jesus Christ. It is the primary life. It is the life from which all other life originates. All right, Zoe life. It is what it is. Uh, the scripture sometimes calls it the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. It is, it is every aspect of life filled with his life. Filled, made, uh, made alive, made um, so that it grows and it, and it changes and it, and it produces and it carries his nature. It's that kind of life. And, and here again, he says, I am the light of the world. So that is light is something that will beam forth. It will break darkness. It will do something. And he who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. So in, um, you don't have this on your screen, but in John chapter one, verses four and five from the Amplified Bible, John chapter one, verses four and five, says, in him, in Jesus, was life, Zoe, and the life was the light of men. So the light that is in us to shine in the world is the life of God. That's what it is. We, they use light as an analogy of how it works. What it really is, is the life of God. The light shines in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, absorbed it, appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. So darkness is never, not only is darkness not greater than light, it's not even, in spiritual terms, it's not even on an equal footing with light. It's never been able to overpower it. It's never absorbed it. It's never found a way to shut it off. And it doesn't even, the, the way the Greek is written here, it doesn't even comprehend it. It doesn't even understand the light. It doesn't understand the life of God. And this comes up, you know, I talk to people about it frequently. We talk about the devil. We talk about demons. All of those things are real and they are influences in the earth. For sure. Jesus dealt with demons as real people, real, real, real entities. Okay. But they're created beings. They were angels. Satan himself was an angel, a created being who was then cast out of heaven and fell when he tried to rebel against God. He's not on God's level. He's, it's not these two equal forces fighting against one another. Satan can't even, isn't even in the same league to any degree as God. And it's important for you to know as you're fighting a spiritual battle or as you're, you're walking through life, just understanding, yeah, while the devil has a role, we need to be aware of it. Scripture tells us we need to be aware of his schemes and his strategies. We need to understand how he works. We need to resist him. We need to call him down. We need to not let him build strongholds in our lives. I mean, there's a lot about that. But understand, he's a defeated foe and he has to bow his knee to the name of Jesus Christ 
which you have in order to, to use as authority over him. So I just say all that to say, you know, just keep that straight in your mind as we're talking about light and darkness. Light is so much greater than darkness. You know, we can black out all these windows, get it totally dark in here and light a match and the whole place will be illuminated by it. It takes just, a, again, a tiny bit of salt flavors your food. A tiny bit of light breaks darkness, breaks it, breaks its power. And part of what I want to say about that, same thing with leaven, a tiny bit introduced into a big batch of dough affects the entire batch. Sometimes we think that we believers have to be in a social or political majority in order, in order to influence the world. That isn't, that isn't the way the kingdom works. The kingdom, the kingdom is planted in us or from us in life as a tiny seed or as a grain of salt or as a beam of light, or a little bit of leaven, whatever. It's a small thing introduced into a big thing that completely changes the big thing. Why? Because that shows the power of the kingdom. If, if things only change when we can get enough people to vote the way we think they should vote, and I'm not putting down voting, I believe in voting, I'm saying... If we think we have to be a majority before things can change, that's pretty easy for us to come back and take credit for. But when it's you at your workplace or a few of us in a city or a nation and we're releasing genuine God life and lives are being changed by it, God's going to get the credit for that. God's the one who's going to be seen in that. He's, he's the one that, that it's going to be evident that you and I weren't enough to get that done. You and I weren't enough to have that big an influence on a community. Does that make sense to you? So it's, you know, again, it's not that we're supposed to be, obviously the kingdom is supposed to be growing. We are supposed to be reaching people and bringing people into the, to the kingdom of God. But if we have this mindset that, well, until it's like this, things are just going to be terrible. We're really uh, selling God short. We're really selling him short in that. So then over in Matthew chapter 5, verses, uh, or verse 14, then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, this is interesting because he said that um, we're the salt of the earth, and we talked about what that meant. This is a totally different wor word here. You are the light of the world, and that word world means the world's systems. It means the world's systems like commerce, government, society, social norms. You are the light into being shown into the world's systems, the man-made systems. So that means that God wants to take believers and sprinkle them out into government. He wants to sprinkle them out into 
economics. He wants to sprinkle them out into markets and the way that markets work. He wants to sprinkle them out into technology. You know, right now we really do have a situation, and I'm not speaking of various, in, you know, just individuals because I, I don't know any of the individuals, so I don't know where their hearts are. But I'm saying in general, the big tech companies uh, are, are definitely putting pressure against um, against messages about God, uh, about um, about that type of thing. They're, you know, um, Google and Facebook and Instagram and all of them are more and more and more limiting exposure to the best. And I, this is just my opinion, okay? I think they're doing it to the farthest extent that they can, uh, shutting down speech before the government would step in and, and force them, uh, which in my opinion ought to be done at this point. But but to force them to open their platforms to, to everybody. So there's a, there's a lot of censorship going on. There's a lot of that kind of thing. So that tells me that the people who are in charge in that are not real open to the message of the gospel. Again, I'm not, I don't know about their hearts. I don't know where they are. God wants to sprinkle people into that tech, technological world. He wants to set believers not to just... Do you understand what I'm saying? Not to just get people saved. I mean, that's a wonderful part of it. But to bring his wisdom into technology and to bring not, 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 in, not by bringing scriptures next necessarily, not by quoting the Bible to everybody they work with, but by releasing the wisdom of God, which is probably found in the Bible but we better learn how to communicate it in terms that society is not going to trample underfoot. Does this make sense to you? That's the wisdom of God. God will show us how to reach people who right now feel like they're unreachable because God loves them all. God wants to reach them all. And there's a, there's a flavor. There's an anointing he wants to put on our lives to reach people in all these different segments. I think Bethel either just did or is starting uh, a technology school as a part of their school of supernatural ministry. I think Andrew Womack is doing the same thing, but I might have gotten those confused between two different conferences. But it's great because they're not teaching people secret sneaky strategies to go get their coworkers saved. They're teaching people, they're trying to raise up people who are full of the Holy Spirit to go into those settings and be the best employees there. Be the ones with the genius ideas because they came from God. And God ultimately gets the glory in that because those kind of people will make sure that he does. This makes sense to you. Medical field. I mean, man, we, you know, we need people. We're up against a lot of challenges right now. We're up against, we need to defeat cancer. We need to defeat Lyme disease. We need to defeat a lot of these autoimmune things. You know, we need to defeat this stuff and we need the wisdom of God to do it. So we need people sent as salt and light and leaven into those places. And again, we've got to have a bigger idea about this than just the Roman road leading people to the Lord. That's a great part of who we are, but it's not the only thing. We should not be a, just a pile on the side of the plate of salt. We should be being sprinkled throughout the meals. Is this making sense to you? Okay. So he goes on here. I'm going to have to quit in a minute. But he goes on here and he says, so he says, you're the light of the world. You are light that I want to send into these, all of these systems 
throughout the world, all of these realms throughout the world. And he goes on uh, and he says, nor do men light a lamp to put it under, uh, I'm not even sure what I'm reading from here, but under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. So he's saying, we don't light, we don't take this light out just to hide it, just to get intimidated, just to not bring it forth. So what's that mean? It means I need to be praying for boldness to represent God well wherever I am. In the, wherever I am in the world, I need wisdom and I need boldness to represent God well. I don't want to just be covering up the light that he's put on the inside of me. Let me just mention this right here. Um, in another place, I don't have the verses in front of me, but uh, Jesus uses, and it's, it's in Luke's gospel, he comes down, I think it's in chapter 8, he comes down through Jesus' teaching about sowing the word into people's hearts and having it produce, right? And he comes to the whole sower sows the word parable. And then he brings these verses, he makes this statement again after talking specifically about his word coming into us. He says the same thing. He says, nobody lights a lamp. In other words, God is speaking to you. He's putting his word in your heart and it brings illumination and revelation. And and he's saying, I, the Lord, don't do that just for you to cover it up. That revelation needs to spread to the whole house. What he's saying to you in bits, you need to take hold of and take it in as seed and let it begin to, to go throughout your being and change the way you think and the way you live and, and all of that. He uses the same terminology. Here he takes it and he talks about now that light that's been released in us being released out into the world, being released everywhere we go. And he says it's there to give light to the whole house, not just the church service, the whole house. And he goes on, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praise, this must be the Amplified, and your your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your father who is in heaven. So here's the other interesting thing about this. We don't light a lamp just to cover it up right? There'd be no point in lighting a lamp. We don't do that just to cover it up. We also don't light a lamp so that everybody will come into the house and, and stare at us, stare at the lamp. We don't light a lamp so that the lamp will get glory. We light a lamp. We release the life of God so that the Father is glorified. When it's real God flavor, when it's real life, real wisdom, when it's, when it's when it's healing virtue, when it's any aspect of his nature, when it's tremendous mercy that goes beyond when it's beyond your ability, when it's forgiveness of, of things that you could never forgive on your own, when it's the wisdom of God, when it's any of those things coming out of you, it's evident it isn't you. It's the one behind you, and it gives glory to God. So in all of these realms, I'm just going to quit right here. Uh, we'll talk about leaven another day. But you, you get the point. It's the same, uh, it's the same idea. It's a, it's a small thing. And most of us feel like small things. I mean, especially when we're out there and we're thinking about some big problems. Or we're thinking a lot of times just about our own stuff. 
right? I mean, we feel incapable. If we were capable of fixing all our own stuff, we probably wouldn't be coming to Jesus, but we can't. We need help. We need a Savior. And so we come to him. When we look at society and we look at economics and we look at all of these things going on, we look at, you know, governments trying to make things work. They can't even build a website that works. Everybody else on the planet can build a website that works. But these people with all the money and, and I guess not all the talent, apparently, can't build a website that actually works. It drives me nuts. But when we look at this stuff and we can get, I can get frustrated. I don't know what you get. But, you know, we get, we look at these problems. It's like, what do we do about this? How do we, how do we deal with it? We need to understand we're a small piece. We're a grain of salt. We're a little bit of yeast. We're light. But he's sprinkling you. He's setting you. He's shining you somewhere. And that's the place that's your responsibility. Your sphere of influence is your responsibility. Not the whole world. But if enough of us are getting this and we're going out and we're letting him use us this way and realizing we don't have to have all the answers, honestly, the presence of God in you is bigger than all the problems that you face and the people around you face. The wisdom of God is so many times, it's so simple, we miss it. It's so the way to address the situation. It's simple, but it fights with our flesh and it fights with society's ways of doing things. And so we'll miss it or we'll excuse it or we'll say, oh, that was just me. You know, we hear something, something, some idea or, or way to handle a situation bubbles up on the inside of you. And you say, oh, that just, that just seemed like me. Well, that's because that's the Holy Spirit who lives in you communicating with your spirit who is you. And when it gets to your brain, it sounds like you, except it agrees completely with Jesus and his word and his nature and his ways. And it brings peace and it brings faith rather than agitation. It does all these things on the inside of us that's him, that's salt, that's light, that's yeast. Let it go, mix it in, put it out there, be sprinkled. Okay, that's going to be my prayer for you at the end. Be sprinkled. Does this make sense to you? I just got to quit because this is how it is. First day of a series. I'm, uh, I could go on and on about this. Let's see if this works. Yay. All right, let's stand up and pray together. I hope you got something out of this today. We'll dig into these things a little bit more. There's so much about this in the scripture. Father, I just want to pray for us, Lord, as we get ready to go out into this week, your word says that we should make the most of every opportunity. That tells us that you are going to provide opportunities for us and that you have equipped us ahead of time to meet those opportunities or you will equip us right in the moment. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to your words. We open our hearts to your presence. We open our hearts, Lord God, to... Uh, to your ideas about how to address the very smallest and largest issues in our lives today. And Lord, we receive what you're saying this morning, Lord, that you are sending us out. You are releasing us into this community and we trust, Father, that we can be quiet, we can hear in our hearts, we can speak the right words, we can release your flavor into Gunnison, Colorado, into Crested Butte, into our region, into other areas, wherever you have given us influence. Lord, we ask you to use us to bring your influence, your life, your flavor there. 
And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just in case anybody's wondering, uh, so Karen, a couple, I think two Sundays, usually every summer, she uh, does the Crested Butte Art Market to sell her watercolor. So that's where she is this morning. So thank you, worship team, for doing such a fabulous job for all of us. I love being able, whether we're both gone or whether one of us is gone, I just love being able to just know everything goes great at church because it always does. And also, I just want to thank uh, Boyd and Annie in particular for they took over the offering and the announcements and all of that stuff uh, while I was not able to get up and down that much, and I really appreciate it. It's awesome. So. Okay, so let's uh, be dismissed. Let's go out of here on the count of three. We'll say Jesus is Lord over the Gundersen Basin and the world. We'll be dismissed. Go out there and have a great week, okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gundersen Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Denison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.